the same. We're going to get excited about the Word of God today, aren't we? We are a people who love Jesus passionately. Is that not who we are? We love His Word. We love to obey Him. And we are going to get in His Word today and enjoy it. And I thank you, God, for healing in the house. I thank you, God, that that was proclaimed. And I can move better in my back in Jesus' name with the curly shuffle. Thank you, God. It is so much better. I thank you for that. I thank you for healing people today. And we, God, know that you have called us to signs, wonders, and miracles. You've called us to experience you. You have called us to get excited about you. And, Lord, we just want you to know we love you. We love you. We love you. Tell him, I love you, Lord. And we love your word, God. Mm. And we're excited about what you've been speaking to us. We're excited about... God, that you are bringing correction, but you're doing it in love, and you are getting us excited about changing with you. I'm telling you guys, God is opening up prosperity towards you. He is releasing a grace, grace, grace for you to clean your finances up. There is a word of the Lord that has been brought to this church, and God is doing something with it. I've already seen increase. I've already seen people doing change in their finances, in their past, and their current finances and father i thank you for that i thank you god for the abundance i thank you for increase i thank you that lack is not a part of your people i thank you god that you are a provider that you you give seed to the sower and god we thank you for today we praise you for who you are and god i thank you for the anointing that breaks the yoke i thank you for the increase of your government in our lives the increase of your government in our lives god we give you ownership we give you rulership governing of our lives May the increase of your government come today, even in the area of finances. Father, we thank you for who you are. I thank you, God, that you are more than enough. You're all that we want. You're all that we need. You're all that we want. You're all that we need. You're all that we want. You're all that we need. You are all that I want. You're all that I need. Thank you, God, for who you are. We praise you, Lord. And so, God, today, as you're taking us through this financial journey, I thank you, God, you're setting captives free. I thank you, God, you're breaking off mindsets in Jesus' name. You're breaking off lies and deceptions that the enemy has brought into our lives in how we deal with money. And I thank you, God, that you're breaking those things off and you're bringing liberty. You're bringing freedom in Jesus' name. I thank you, God, that we are a generous bunch. I thank you, God, that we are a free people in our finances. I thank you, God, that there is no lack. But, God, you're bringing an abundance so that we can be a generous, abundant people. And, Father, I just ask that you would, through the Word, and as we learn about the church in Philippi, and as we learn about, God, the the things in your Word today, about what you did through other people years ago, I thank you, God, that you're going to do in this house and that you are doing in this house. So, Lord, we praise you. Lord, we love you. We magnify your name. And we thank you for your word today. And we thank you for the prophetic word that Denny Kramer spoke over this house several weeks ago. We thank you, God, that you sent a prophet from Pennsylvania to declare a now word, a rhema word for this house. We didn't realize how significant it was at the time, God, but we're realizing how significant it is. And God, we want to be not just hearers of that word, but God, we want to be doers of that word. I thank you that this house is a place of doers.
I thank you, God, that this house is a house of people who hear your word and they do it and they obey it in Jesus' name. We praise you, Lord. Can you tell I want to pray today? God, we thank you for your presence. God, we thank you for your presence. We love you. We honor you. You are Lord. I have moved from needing you just as my Savior, and I've moved you to Lordship, that you own me. You own us. You have purchased us with a high, high price in Jesus Christ. You have purchased us. And now, God, I pray that you would teach us to make you Lord of our finances. I ask for your anointing today. And I thank you, God, for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. If you're a guest with us today and you may not have been with us over the last several weeks, we've been talking about a prophetic word that Dennis Kramer shared with this house. And uh, it was a prophetic word, uh, a prophetic preaching. And he declared over New Covenant that uh, he said, your generosity determines your prosperity. Your generosity, everybody say that, your generosity, Generosity. my generosity generosity. determines my prosperity. And so that's kind of the journey we've been on. The series has been my generosity equals my prosperity. And Dennis Kramer gave us two prophetic points in his message, and I've been now breaking those points down. First, he said, you need to look at your financial past. And many of us have been looking at our financial past And we have seen where we have made mistakes, where we have not honored the Lord in our giving. We've not honored the Lord in our paying bills. We've not honored the Lord in people that we owe. And God has called us to correct those things. And so there have been people paying people back. There have been people who have been paying God back in his tithe. There has been people who are correcting the things of their past. And God's grace is going blowing on that. And his grace is moving them from lack. And he's changing the trajectory of their finances because they're honoring God to correct what they've done in the past. Hallelujah for that. The second point that Dennis Kramer made was this. Look at your current finances, how you're currently spending money. And he he said, correct that. And, uh, and that was the second point he has, was on. And so last week, I shared a bunch of statistics and facts about how America is spending money at alarming rates. And we are consuming, consuming, and consuming all the seed that God gives us. We are consuming it, much of it, on ourselves rather than on God and others. And I'm sure that last week you were convicted in some area, because I know how the Spirit of God works Uh, And God has been correcting all of us in that area of how we spend money. And so last week we talked about, wow, how for the first time in American history, we're now spending more on eating out than we do on our own groceries. Wow. First time in American history we talked about that. Last week we talked about how the average American is spending almost $1,500 a month on non-essential items. We talked about last week where literally America is spending $300 billion on convenience items at Speedways and Casey's that have nothing to do with gas. And I don't know about you if you've been in Casey's lately or Speedway, there's a lot of good junk food in there. And there's a lot of toxic stuff in there. 
And there's a lot of stuff that people are consuming, and most of that stuff that people buy, that $300 billion worth of stuff is consumed, 83% of that is consumed immediately. Wow. We are consumers, but God is changing that because God's people are not consumers. They are givers. Yeah. Amen? So we talked a lot about that stuff last week. The average American is spending more on clothes, food, pizza, video games, lottery, alcohol, vacations, cosmetics, marijuana, and coffee than they are towards God and others. Amazing. We spend more on marijuana People in this house, there are people in this church who are struggling with smoking weed. Oh, the elephant in the room. We're going to pop it. No, I'm not endorsing pot. I'm not endorsing alcohol. I do not smoke pot. I do not drink. Matter of fact, I have never touched that stuff. That doesn't make me righteous. That just means I didn't have a problem with that. All of us have issues. Everyone in this room has an area where they blow money. Anybody in here blow money? Yep, 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 yep. Thank you for being honest today. So, we are changing the trajectory, and last week I talked about, hey, let's take an inventory of our finances. Let's take a look at it, and that's what Karen and I have been doing. We've been looking at everything. We've, think, we've been situated, looking at it and saying, how, how does God want us to change that? I don't want us to get into performance. I don't want it to get us to get into this thing where uh, I, I, it's, it's all my doing. There is a grace that is coming that's going to help you. Okay? But there are things we have to be obedient to the Lord. And I don't know how God's convicting you, but he is truly convicting a bunch of people in this house to get some things in order, and I praise the Lord for that. But in order to get our finances in order... We must address the difference between wants and needs in order to clean up how we currently spend money so that we have extra, we have extra seed that we're not eating away in order to give to God and to give to others in need. Are you, are you with me on that? And that was kind of the message last week. And so we, we've got to change what we're currently doing. And as we change what we are currently doing, I believe what happens is the Holy Spirit comes and he blows and he blows, and he blesses you, and all of a sudden, the river starts going towards you instead of away from you. And I shared, you know, how the Lord blew some money my way as me and Karen began to do and, and, and clean up the financial past and how we were addressing our current, future, or current finances. God began to blow money our way. Praise God, and that money is not for us to consume, but it's to help us to be generous and to give to God and what he wants us to give to, right? So the word of God promises what? God will what? God will provide. The word promises that God will also give you seed to sow, right? And so, but as a nation, if, and, and as a church, and, and I know this is kind of abstract when I say the nation is spending money at alarming rates, but that was a kind way of me saying we're spending money at an alarming rate, correct? You guys get that, right? It's not just the world. Unfortunately, the world, uh, in Romans 12, you know, we're, we're told, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? And, 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 and many of us, in some ways, we have been transformed by the, by the world. We do what the world does. I'm, I'm sorry, there is a spirit behind the American dream. 
There is. And, and every one of us fall prey to that spirit of the American dream. Get what you want when you want it. That whole thing, I want, I want, I want. And, and there's nothing wrong. And I am not declaring today that you can't have wants fulfilled. I'm not saying that. So I hope that you don't come away from this message saying, I can only have my needs met. It's not what I'm saying. But we are at an alarming rate consuming our extra seed. And God wants to correct that. Amen? And so our wants and our desires and our idols cause us to eat our seed. And therefore, we don't have any extra money because it gets consumed and it gets eaten up. It's, it's amazing. I've seen this for in, in the 30 years, 40 years I've been a Christian. I have seen how, and, and I guess this, and I want to readdress an issue. I'm not trying to get more money out of you. I'm not trying to get m more offerings. You guys realize that, right? I'm, I'm wanting to get something to you. Okay. But I have seen over and over over the last 40 years, people who struggle with tithing and giving towards God. Whether you believe tithing is a New Testament issue or not, guys, you can't, it, it, it's, it's there, okay? I, I'm not going to teach on tithing today. I'm not going to teach whether tithing is biblical or not. If you have a problem with tithing, you know, take it up with God. I mean, you can't look in the New Testament and not see how God used people to give. It's throughout the New Testament. It's throughout the Old Testament. The, they, even in Acts chapter 2, what did they do? They brought money that sold from properties, and they laid it at the apostles' feet. They brought everything to the church. I mean, it, it, just, it, just, it, it just happens, okay? Whatever your view on tithe is, I just encourage you, don't make this a big issue. Make it an obedience issue where God has called us to be a generous, giving people. Amen? But tithing, I have seen over and over where people who struggle with tithing, which is 10% of your income for those, that's what a tithe means. But they struggle giving the tithe. But I see cars break down. I see all, that 10% gets sucked and stolen away from you every time. But when you give to God what belongs to God, not to someplace else, but to God, God always blesses that. I just, I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in people that I know and love that there is always ample supply for those who give to God generously. Can I have an amen on that? And so, <clears throat> but if, if we don't ever get our finances in a place to where we give the first apple to God, I, I shared many years ago, I had 10 apples up here on the offering table and I, I gave the example of the tithe and how well, there's 10 apples up there and the first apple belongs to who? God. And so that first apple is to be given to God because it's my first fruit of what God increases to my life. I give that to him and then he blesses me with nine that I can eat and do what I need to do with it. But what we do as Christians is we eat the first nine of the apples and, and then eat part of the 10th and then we give him the core. Because our lordship issue, Christ is not Lord in all areas of our life. And God's just correcting that. He is lovingly saying, guys, I got some great stuff for you. Because I just see that he wants, to, he wants to be able to trust us with much. And even in the word it says, if he can't trust you with worldly wealth, 
how will he how will he trust you with spiritual wealth what do you think spiritual wealth is the very thing tom was talking about healings miracles signs wonders deliverance setting the captives free that spiritual wealth has a, it, it, it it's what we want but many times we want it without the sacrifice <laughs> without the making him lord and king of our lives so without with that being said we are consuming our seed and we have to change that and make sure that we have extra money in our in our pockets so that we can not only tithe to god but we have a generousness or the ability to be generous with what we have and so we're going to start today with a passage if you have your bibles or iphones or whatever you use as your bible uh, if you will turn with me to second corinthians 9 and we're going to start talking about some things here of, about wants and needs because i believe if we don't address the difference between wants and needs i i don't think you're going to be able to uh, clean your current financial situation up um, and have extra in order to do the sowing because the sowing and the generosity is what brings your prosperity and so if you're eating all your seed you don't have extra to give so we've got to talk about wants and needs and that's where we're going to go today and i believe god's going to really reveal some stuff because we are doers of the word and we love to obey god here at new covenant so let's look at second corinthians chapter 9 and verse 10 i'm, I'm going to read out of the new living translation because it really said some cool things that I wanted to talk about today. And it says, For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. For God is the one who provides what? For who? You and I. Yeah, we're not in an agrarian economy right now, but... He provides us seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase my resources. Say, he will increase my resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Say, that's me. Say, that's me. So first, we must sow first before we eat. Do you see that? I must sow the seed and then I eat. So there's a principle there. We must sow first and then we eat. But most of the time we eat and then we sow. Does that make sense? He gives seed for the farmer, then bread to eat. The farmer must sow his seed for there to be an increase. What happens to a natural farmer if he eats all his seed? What happens to the farmer? Farmer Gene, what happens if a farmer eats all of his seed? He's in trouble. He's in a lot of trouble because he cannot produce. There will no be no increase. There will be no crop if we don't sow. 
There'll be no increase. So if you eat all your seed for yourself, you have no seed to sow for an increase of your resources. It is like a dog chasing his tail. So you've got to create extra within your finances. As soon as it comes in, you have to sow. As soon as the money comes in, you have to tithe. As soon as the money comes in, you have to say, God, where do you want me to sow that seed? If you have no seed to sow because you consume it, then there will be no seed for, generous, for you to be generous toward God and others. And you will have no prosperity. No increase will come your way. So I first have to stop consuming all my seed, and I must begin to sow generously. Everybody say, sow generously. I hope you sowed last week generously. I hope you're not drinking as much coffee and junk food and keeping that money back and saying, no, I'm going to give it to somebody else. I'm going to increase my generosity because my generosity determines my prosperity. How many times have, have we heard the, I love Compassion International. I love what they do. I love how they are helping the poor. I love how they're feeding the poor through us. And I love what they do. What do they always say? Man, if you'll just not drink a pop every day and give $30 every month, a child will be fed. And they always, that's, that's their, their motif. If you'll sacrifice something simple, remember last week I talked about how millennials are, are spending $2,008 on coffee a year. Amen. <laughs> and Charlene loves it. That was not a plug for Cafe Royale. But get, he does give her seat, and she is a sewer. She is a sewer. I praise God for Sean and Charlene, they sew. But the issue is, a millennial spends $2,008 on coffee, but the average adult spends $885 for God in a year. I mean, it just blows my mind. Now that means that there's a lot of people giving more and a whole lot more people giving less. Right? Now, if I gave that way to my wife, how long do you think I'd be married? <laughs> I don't know if I wanted to hear that one. I don't know. <laughs> oh, boy. I see, see, here's some holy laughter coming over there. No. But if my prosperity is tied to my generosity, then I've got to fix some things, and that's what we're doing. We're looking at our financial present and saying, God, how do you want to change the way I, I, I do my finances so that I have seed to sow, so that I have an abundance rather than lack? But I believe we have to address some lies in order to get to this place of health. 
I believe we have to address some issues in wants and needs in order to correct our current financial situation in order for us to get to a place where we have extra, lots of extra. Matter of fact, I see abundance flowing. I see rivers of abundance. God said that he was going to steward this house and there was going to be enough money to do exactly what God wants to do. And I just, I just believe there is an increase coming and I just thank God for it. And I think that's why this word is so timely. But belief number one, true or false? True or false? It is my money and I can spend it how I want. It is my money. I ain't going to have Dave Ramsey tell me how to spend my money. It's mine. You think that's false? It's false, but it's true. False, but true. That sounds like an oxymoron. How is it false and true at the same time? It's true if you're not a follower of Christ. If you're not a follower of Christ, you can spend your money however you want to. But if you're a follower of Christ, the answer is not true. Because the word says, and Jesus out of his own mouth said, that if you are going to be my disciple, you must what? If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. That is the New Living Translation. NIV says, if you want to be my disciple, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Followers figure out the way he does things, and then they what? Follow, 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 follow. I can, I can tell you, this is one of the things I wore out with my kids. And it was so simple. I think they got it. We'll see. Time will tell. My way, what I want, or God's way, what he wants. It's as simple as that. And so, if you're a follower of Christ, you choose to do it his way. You choose to do your finances. You choose to do your marriage. You choose to do discipleship. You choose to follow the way of the master. I am following him. How many are out there following him? I want to do it his way and not mine. I want to spend my money the way he wants me to. I want to love people the way he wants me to. I want to forgive the way God tells me to forgive. I want to be generous the way God tells me to be generous. I want him to be able to say, Eric, knock, knock, knock. I really want you to bless and help this person or this family. And money doesn't have a hold on me. I say, yes, I can't wait to do that, God. I don't know what you're doing, but I'm going to bless and I'm going to bless and I'm going to bless. What freedom there is when you have extra to be able to do that. Can I have an amen on that? So the question today is, are we followers of Christ? Are we followers of Christ if we consume our seed? <laughs> the answer is no. <laughs> if I'm consuming my seed, I am not following Jesus' way. I'm following my way. I'm following my wants, my desires, my, my idols are the ones that are getting fed. 
instead of God's. Now, let that correct you. Let God do whatever he wants. But man, we just talked about this marvelous God today. We talked about how amazing he is. We were praising him, and we were so excited. And man, there was electricity in this house in worship today of how amazing and how faithful our God is. Man, I love giving towards God. Makes me want to do the curly shuffle. And I can do it because my back's better. Praise the Lord. So the promise, God will meet my needs. I want to break this down a little bit in Philippians 4.18. And Paul shares this letter to the church. My goodness, it's quarter to 12 already. Paul shares this letter to the church in Philippi. I, wanna, I want you to understand the context of what's going on in Paul's life. Paul, he founded this church in Philippi. It was through Lydia, who was a seller of purple cloth. She got born again, radically saved. And, and the church in Philippi came to, came to being through Paul's missionary journey. And this church, Paul loved. It was not a large church. It grew to about 75 to 100 people. It, so it was something like you guys. It wasn't a large church. Matter of fact, Philippi was not a real large city. It became a larger city over time. But at about 150 B.C., before Christ, it was about uh, 2,000 people. But what happened was um, Philip, who was the son of Alexander the Great, um, he actually founded Philippi. And so he was the son of of Alexander the Great, and he founded this city, and, and because they, he, he, and he used it as a retreat for his soldiers, and they found gold. And so Philippi had mines of gold, and they began to set up stamping, and so Philippi began to grow and, and become very wealthy as a city. But the church in Philippi was lacking. It, had, it, it wasn't really, really wealthy. In, in those days, it was much like we have in in our culture and other cultures, you had the really, really rich, and you had the really, really poor, and there was a working class in the middle. And that's what the church was compiled mainly of, was um, the middle class and the poor. The rich didn't think they had a need for God. Hmm, sounds pretty familiar with our, our culture today, doesn't it? So at any rate, Paul is in, in jail right now. Paul is in house arrest in Rome when he writes this letter to the Philippians. And he's, he's, he's real excited because Paul had some needs. Everybody say needs. What do you think you might have needs of in jail? Food, clothes, yeah, yeah. He was on house arrest, so he was in his own rented house in, in, in Rome because they had moved him from the prison and he had found some favor and they were allowing him to proclaim the gospel in his home, and people came to him. He would preach and teach the word of God in his home under guard. He had a soldier there, but he was allowed to continue to, to declare the good news while he was in prison. But he was not able to work. And so his needs were rent, his needs were food, his needs were, I don't know what the utility situation was there, but he had needs. And Paul had been in need, and the churches were not supplying his need. 
The church in Jerusalem was not. The church in Corinth was not. The church in Antioch was not providing Paul's need. There were some women who were faithful who came, because you've got to remember, Philippi, okay, here's Rome. Well, let's do it this way. Israel's over here. Macedonia is in the middle, kind of in the Turkey area. And then Rome is over here in Italy. And Philippi is in the middle. It's many, many miles away to get to Paul. And so many people had journeyed to Italy, <clears throat> to Rome, in order to provide for Paul's needs. And they were people who stayed there. They would leave. Epaphroditus we're going to hear about here in a second. He would come in with, and help, and, and they would basically provide Paul's needs. But Paul got to a place where he was hungry. He got to a place where things weren't uh, exactly real well. And that's a lot of study we're not getting into. So when we get to this passage in Philippians 4, what does Paul say? He says, I have all I need and more. Everybody say, all I need and more. All I need and more. Now that I have received your gifts from Epaphroditus. So the Philippian church, Philippi, took up an offering for Paul. They send it with Epaphroditus. And now Paul is saying, I don't have a need anymore, but I've been amply supplied by you guys. And he's thanking them. They are a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Everybody say amen on that. Amen. So Paul was saying, my needs have been satisfied by you. And he is declaring to them, hey guys, my God is going to supply your needs. You have been generous to me. You have taken care of me. No other church has taken care of me like you have. And because you have taken care of me, I know, I know my God is going to supply your needs. Even though it's struggling there in Philippi, even though there is lack in Philippi, there's lack in Jerusalem, the wealthiest church in the, in the area was Corinth. The Corinthian church was one of the wealthiest churches. But they helped Paul. And Paul says, my God will supply all your needs. Now what I want to break down the word need because we're going to talk about needs and wants. <clears throat> what do you think needs are? Uh, again, I'm not saying God's not going to give you some wants, so don't freak out and say, I can't have anything I want. Oh my gosh, George, I have some really big wants. But Paul was talking about God will meet your needs. And that word need there, the Greek word that is pronounced kriē, means what is necessary for your life. Things we must have to sustain us day to day. Man, in America, ooh, we ain't day by day. Oh dear Lord, these things I pray. We aren't day-to-day -day on food. Anybody here day-to-day -day on food? If you are, talk to me. I will help you. What was Jesus' prayer? Give us this day our daily bread. We've lost our ability to trust God for our needs. We want so much for our wants, but Paul here is talking about something that's necessary for life and so we don't even think about our needs 
Philippi was needing food. The Jerusalem church was needing food. They were selling their possessions and they were giving to the poor. They were helping each other in that process. But what is needs? What are basic needs? I looked it up in Wikipedia. Everybody like Wikipedia? It's not always godly. The traditional list of immediate basic needs is food, water, shelter, and clothing. Does everybody have food, shelter, water, and clothing in here? Your God has supplied all your needs. Say praise the Lord for that. In modern lists, however, Wikipedia says, the emphasis and the minimum has changed. The, le the level of consumption of basic needs is not, now not just food, water, clothing, and shelter, but most think it is sanitation, education, healthcare, internet, and all the different stuff. Got to have internet. I can't survive without the internet. Thank God I don't have my iPhone on me. How about Jesus? What did he think your basic needs were? Matthew 6, 25, this is Jesus talking. Everybody said red letters. Red letters. This is Jesus. This is his Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about what your life, about your life. What you will what? What you will what? Drink, eat, drink, or about your body, what you will what? Where? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, reap, or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. <laughs> he feeds them. Everybody said feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? I is. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. <laughs> if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, and which is here today and gone tomorrow, and is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. So do not worry, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? Or what shall we wear? For what? The pagans, the unbelievers, run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first. Everybody say, seek first. Seek first. The, kingdom the kingdom. And his righteousness. And, righteousness. and all these things will what? Be what? Be what? Given. Given. They are an outflow of seeking God, His presence, loving God, loving God, being generous towards God. Everything else falls into place. I say hallelujah. <laughs> so if you look at Wikipedia's list and you look at Jesus' list, there's actually one missing in Jesus' list. He doesn't even enclose shelter. He just says food, water, and clothing is your needs. Oh, but boy, do we convince ourselves we have more need than that. Hello, church. I want what I want when I want it. My, my, my daughter didn't like that song that I showed. She said, that was a weird-looking band. Was you guys here whenever I showed that little video? I want what I want when I want it. Food, water, and clothes. Now, remember, I stated last week that, again, Americans... Our, uh, the average American is spending almost $1,500 a month on non-essentials. Everybody say non-essentials. 
See, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to help you to get an understanding of wants and needs. How many want your kids to know the difference between want and needs? Man, I know when I went to Honduras with my kids and we provided shoes for the Hondurans, all of a sudden there was a different reality. No longer was my sons who really liked shoes. Were they so consumed about shoes? Because they had a shoe fetish. I've seen some other people who have shoe fetishes. And theirs was small compared to some. Clothing fetish. Eating out fetish. I don't know what your fetish is, but I promise you, God's trying to correct something in our hearts. The pagan runs after all the stuff that they want, but followers of God run after the things of the kingdom, and God provides abundance when you do. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first the presence of God. God's way of doing things. Seek first God's way of doing things rather than your own way of doing things. Karen and I are in the process of freeing up cash by changing some things we're doing in our finances so that we can give a certain amount every month to the poor and not the poor of Newcastle yes there's poor here but the poor of the earth we're going to be sacrificing some things in our finances in order to be generous towards God to be generous towards the orphan and the widow this is pure religion that is undefined Cutting out some things that we don't need. Cutting out the excess that we don't need in order to give and be generous. Let's look at a real quick parable before I land this plane because I have somebody else I'm wanting to have share just briefly. And he told them this parable, Jesus did. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store all of this abundant crop. Ah, then he said, what I'll do? I will tear down my barns and big bigger ones. And there I will store what? My, my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, I have plenty of grain laid up for many, many years. I'm going to take it easy, take it easy, it's a slow ride. Take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. I know, that was really bad. Take life easy. Isn't that what we're all wanting? But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will you get? Who will get what you have prepared for yourself? 
This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Are you rich toward God? Or do you store for yourself and eat for yourself? And really the question is, is can you be content with just having your needs met? Having your basic needs met. Can you find contentment in that? Paul learned a secret that he said we need to learn. Paul said, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Let's all read that underlined version. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether I am well-fed or hungry, <laughs> whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all those things through him who gives me strength. Paul learned something about contentment that we all need to learn. Can I have an amen on that? I'm working on it. Anybody want to work on it with me? I'm going to have Jeff Hughes share a little thing here on what God's been dealing. I don't know if you noticed a couple weeks when he did the offering. He shared in the offering, he said, you know, God's really been convicting me on being content. You guys remember that? If you don't mind, give him the handheld. Right there it is, yeah. I'm going to land my plane and then come back up when he is finished. But the word content right there means I am satisfied with things as they are. The state of being satisfied and having an ease of mind. The word satisfied means completely paid as a bill. So when I satisfy my debt on the car, it's completely satisfied. The debt is satisfied. With satisfied with God is God doesn't owe me anything. See, we think God owes us all the pleasures of this world, and I believe He wants to do some of that. God doesn't owe me nothing. He's done everything that He could ever do in my life by giving me Christ. drawing my heart into salvation with him and I must learn a contentment of being content in Christ the secret that Paul because if I don't find that place of contentment I will spend money on myself and I've got so many examples of men and women in history who have 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 given it all for Christ There's one gentleman from England, literally preacher of the gospel, wrote books and books and books. He made over a hundred million dollars in book sales in the 1700s and died penniless. Not because he squandered it, but he was generous towards God and he was content 
in his current state. I love what Hobby Lobby has done. Hobby Lobby is giving 50% of their profits to Christian ministry work. 50%. Hobby Lobby on its own founded the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. $400 million to build that place. And they've been generous towards God. They start people out at twice the uh, minimum wage because they want to be generous towards God and people. But they found, they said, they haven't had raises in years, the top people, because they said, we're content. We don't, we don't need more stuff. We don't, we, we don't want it. So we're giving what we could have to others because we're content. Contentment. Jeff's going to share a little bit on how God began to work on his heart in being content. Would you guys welcome Jeff to the floor? Amen. Well, good morning. Good morning. Is on? Is we on? We're going to go a little late, guys, so hang with us. Yeah, Eric asked me to share a little bit uh, about uh, contentment and, and my life. And... Uh, yeah, I wrote this. Uh, it's going to be a blog probably here in a couple weeks. It'll probably be on our website. So if you guys haven't been paying attention to the blogs on the website, we've got a lot of people writing some great stuff. Um, it's really encouraging, so I'd encourage you guys to go out there. But, uh, you know, most of us are parents here, I would think. You know, there's some, some of the youth with us, right? Uh, so you can probably relate, this, relate to this. You ever had that young toddler incessantly ask you why? You know, why? Why? It drives you up the wall, doesn't it? And eventually your patience wears out and you're like, just because, stop asking. <laughs> right? You know? Now, what if I told you we should all be like that toddler? <coughs> we should all be like that toddler. We should start asking why, and we should start asking why a lot. Uh, so uh, let me give you a little backstory. So I enjoy video games. You might not know that, but I do. I always have, and uh, you know, ever since I was a kid one year, got a Nintendo, actually probably playing Atari at my grandma's house. That's probably what really got me started. Anybody play Atari? Anybody like Atari? Yeah? Uh, but you know, it got me into technology, and that's kind of where I'm at now, uh, working on computers and stuff. Um, but over the many years, I have spent countless hours <laughs> playing video games. And if we were completely honest, they were wasted hours, most likely. <laughs> wasted. Uh, you know, not just as a teenager or adult that I waste that time. You know, even now, well, or a young adult, even now I play video games, but just not as much as I used to. Uh, you know, I enjoy the challenge, figuring things out, the com little competition in there, the creativity, the stories. Uh, but uh, just like new toys at Christmas, they get old, don't they? Your favorite game eventually gets boring, it loses its appeal, and you got to have another one. Got to buy another. Anyone like games and can relate to that? Yeah? I see some of the youth raising their hands. 
But before I move on, uh, all the rest of you who didn't raise your hands, just substitute your thing in for video games. Maybe it's not video games. Maybe your thing is food. Maybe it's fashion, clothes, shoes, bags, jewelry. And ladies, I'm not just picking on you. Men, have you ever heard the, the saying, boys don't grow up, their toys just get bigger and more expensive? You know, maybe your thing, men, is cars, trucks, boats, guns. <laughs> that, that was the next thing on my list. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. Uh, motorcycles, off-road stuff. Maybe it's technology. You need that new phone, that new tablet, maybe a bigger TV. Maybe your thing is your house. Maybe you're getting tired of that one or two car garage or those curtains look bad. I want new curtains or this small bedroom or fill in the blank thing that I want. All right. Let's bring the toddler in. Hey, daddy. Why do you always play video games? Mommy, why, why did you buy that new dress? Why do we need a bigger house? Oh, well, son, uh, you know, we just do. Well, why? Well, don't you want a bigger room? Why? Just shut up. <laughs> Stop asking. But let's get back to me. So one day... I'm sitting at my computer having just uh, finished playing a game. I probably played for several hours, you know, and I start reflecting and I feel like I wasted all that time for no purpose. It was just filler time. I didn't enjoy the time I spent. It was a total waste, you know, much like other times I've wasted, maybe binge watching a favorite TV show on Netflix. I'm sure none of you have done that before, right? So I'm sitting there and I'm asking myself, just like that toddler, why? Why do I do this? Why do I waste my time on this? Why do I feel the need to play the next great game? And the Lord, clear as I've ever heard him speak to me, says, you're looking for me. And I realized in that moment, you know, I was not happy. I wasn't satisfied with my circumstances. I've wanted an escape to find some kind of momentary happiness, and I was not content. I was not satisfied with what I had. And what the Lord was saying to me was all the joy and happiness that I was trying to get through doing this thing, video games or buying clothes or getting the next upgrade on my car, you know, all of that joy and happiness that I was looking for, it was to be found in him and not in the things. The peace I wanted in my life is the peace I'm defined in him because he's the prince of peace, isn't he? He's the joy giver. He is joy. He is happiness. Not a video game, not a dress, not a new TV, not the next thing. The next thing is not going to bring me happiness. Why? You know, just ask yourself why. And what happens when you ask yourself why is the motivation of our hearts will reveal our discontentment. And it'll reveal to us what's driving us to spend our money the way we do, 
wasting our time the way we do, gathering and worshiping stuff the way that we do. So ask why. Why do I want that thing? And what we'll see is it's because we haven't connected truly with the source of all happiness, joy, and peace. We'll find it's because we haven't trusted him who's able to supply all of our needs. We'll find it's because we're not seeking him first in our lives. Because we're not living our lives for eternity. We're living our lives for the most comfort now. And ultimately what we find out when we ask ourselves why is because we're selfish. That's really the answer. So I came across a verse a couple years ago when this was all going on. It was stuck in my heart. If you can put that up there, Ryan. It's Psalm, 34, or Psalm 43, 3 and 4. Send me your light and your faithful care. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then I will go to the altar of my God, to God, my joy and my delight. I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. You know, in the ESV, that first verse says, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. And I'm praying about this, you know, what is the light and the truth that leads us? You know, it's, it's the Holy Spirit. He's the light. The truth is the scriptures, you know, the truth that fills these pages. And where does it lead us? It says it leads us to his altar. It leads us to his dwelling in his temple. And what do we find there? It says we find him. We find joy because he's joy. And, and when we're there, what's it, what did he say there at the end? He said, I will praise you. When it leads us there, when it leads us to God, to his altar, we begin to worship. We begin to praise. Our response is worship and praise. You know, praise is a response of our heart to the goodness of God. You know, praise is Thanksgiving, and as we know, Thanksgiving is coming right up. It's right around the corner, isn't it? And we have so much to be thankful for, but did you know a heart of gratitude is in direct opposition to discontentment? Thankfulness brings contentment. Keeping our eyes focused on God, He is the source of our provision. That brings thankfulness and contentment to our hearts. So I want to challenge you. This is the only time you're going to be told to be impatient. <laughs> be that incessant, impatient toddler when it comes to the motivations of your heart. De never, ever stop asking why. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why do I need this thing? What is driving me? And most of the time, you're going to find what drives you is your discontentment. There's something in you that you feel is lacking, and it's driving you toward buying that next thing, getting this next thing, to try to bring a temporary relief. Stop yourself instead and thank God and cultivate thanksgiving and praise in your heart. You know, Keep your eyes focused on him and not on our stuff. We don't need more stuff. You know, he is where we can find peace and satisfaction and ultimately 
he's where we find our contentment is in amen Jeff, if everybody would just stand up with me and I don't know if you guys can, Clayton, I don't know if you could even find that song, You're All I Want, You're All I Need. That would be great. I didn't ask you to do that. Paul had found the secret of being content in Christ. And if you've never found that contentment in Christ, I promise you will never quit spending money foolishly. <clears throat> we'll always go for the next thing. We'll always be drawn in by the next commercial. We'll always see the next car that makes us feel significant. Or It's amazing how we can justify what we think we need. And there's a big difference between our needs and our wants. And I promise you, God is going to give you some of your wants. But we're in a season, as we move into Thanksgiving and Christmas, we're moving into a season where we have an opportunity to be very, very generous. We have a season to thank God for who He is and to be grateful, as Jeff said, in our hearts you're here today and your needs are met you have shelter you have food and you have water you have safety you already have a lot to be thankful for but may we seek first our first love Jesus may we ask ourselves why why, why, why do I want this? Why, why do I need this? You're going to find there's an insecurity in there. You're going to find there's a broken place that only Jesus can fill. And so, Father, I pray for us as a church, as you are asking us to inventory the way we spend money, that we would ask ourselves, why do we spend the way we do? What is driving the lust for more? So that we can surrender it to you and your lordship. It is not our money. It is not our way but may it truly be your way, God, as you have declared through a prophetic brother that we need to look at our past and we look to look at our present. There's some things you're wanting us to change. There's some things you're wanting us to correct so that we can be that generous people for generosity determines our prosperity. Father, I thank you that you're changing our hearts. You're moving on us to, to get the needs and the wants corrected. And Lord, we're going to ask you how you want us to spend that money. 
that it might bring glory and honor to your name, that people's needs might be met, that God, your kingdom might come and your will might be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because you're all that we want, you're all that we need. And so, Father, help us to find contentment in you and you alone. Lord, we love you, we honor you, we praise you. I pray as your people go today, God, that they would continue to surrender it all to you. So as they play this song, may it be the cry of your heart. You are my desire. Nothing else will do. Because nothing can take the place. If you know the words, I don't know, Mike, if you want to sing it, do, that's great. Ashley, help us. I can't sing that. If you know the song, feel free to sing. If you would, turn up the music. Bring us back to you. I think we know the chorus. Tell him that. You're all that I want. You're all I've ever needed. You're all, you're all that I want. Help me know you are near. Lord, we declare that this morning. We declare that you're all that we want, you're all that we need, that nothing else will do, nothing can take the place of you. If you're here today and you haven't made that commitment to Christ, we, we want to be here to help you to surrender your life to following Christ today. We want to help you to come to know this amazing God, this amazing King where your needs are satisfied, where your inner man has been made whole, where you can find contentment in the one and the only Jesus Christ. Because nothing can take his place. No material belongings, no money can take the place of him. Thank you, Father. Help me find the way. Bring us back to you. You're all I want. You're all I've ever needed. You're all I want. Thank you, Father. Father, as we end this service today, God, may your people go in peace.
May they be blessed with your presence. And may God, we completely surrender everything to your Lordship this week. Father, we hear your word and we say yes. We love you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you. If you are here and you need prayer, the altar team will be up here for praying for, for people. If you do not know Christ, I would love to lead you to that, that glorious one. But have a blessed day in Jesus' name. Amen.